What is happening, everybody? Thanks for joining us again during November while we are discussing gaming stuff that we are thankful for. This episode, if you can't tell, we are going back beginning in 85 with the release of the Nintendo Entertainment System and why we are grateful for it and the influences that it's had on us. So, let's just get into it. Let us grab life by the controller. This episode is going to be a simple one because I think as this month-long, you know, thankfulness rolls on, a lot of us, especially people who listen to the podcast, will be able to relate to this one. Thankful for the Nintendo. The original Nintendo Entertainment System. As I talked about with Petras and Ultra Golden Ant, we discussed the impact that Atari had and how it put gaming in people's homes, but how they fudged over everything. Oversaturated, you know, crap games, just a decline in creativity, reskinned everything. They had the chance to keep the ball rolling. They had the opportunity to really own the market. And instead, they led to the the video game industry crashing. But thank God we had Nintendo quietly working over in Japan. One of the reasons why I am seriously ever so thankful for the Nintendo Entertainment System. It it's not just a gaming system. Really, if you think about it, it's so much more. Honestly, it's about music. It's about colors, it's about art, it's about gameplay, characters. So much goes into the Nintendo. So much more went into the Nintendo than could have ever gone into the Atari 2600, or even 5200, or 7800, or whatever the crap that was. I didn't have it. I've talked many times on the podcast how I build websites and do graphic design for a living to keep my creative focus, to keep in, you know, a mindset where day in, day out, coding, doing boring stuff, when I get the opportunity to unleash my creativity... You know, I listen to video game music on Spotify. I listen to originals, you know, music directly from the games. And I listen 
two covers. Anything from like club music to mariachi music. If it's a good video game cover song, I'm going to listen to it. Because it takes me back to when I first enjoyed those games. It reminds me of a simpler time. I can often remember exactly what I was doing when the music really struck a chord with me. I'm going to expand on that just a little bit here in a minute. But, I'm going to talk about my streams for a little bit. For those of you who know, I stream on Twitch. Grab life by the controller. For those of you who don't know, I really love playing retro games on there. I don't have the biggest audience a lot of times, but I'm not really there to really gain a mass following. I don't want to be the next ninja. I just want to get out there and share experiences. When I stream retro goodness on Twitch, it's honestly to me like being able to relive the days when I'd go over to my neighbor's house and would sit on the floor in front of his 700 pound TV and would take turns passing the controller. Or maybe we were lucky enough to have a two player game. A lot of times we didn't. And some of the times you'd get a two player game and you'd have to wait your turn anyways like Super Mario 3. That game was revolutionary. That game has amazing tunes. And it was the foundation for a lot of people's like two-player games. Like a gateway drug into their two-player couch co-op lifestyle. I've talked about before how Super Mario 2... The one that we got, Super Mario Brothers 2, blew my mind. You could select Mario, you could be Luigi, Toad, Princess Peach. Each had their own ability. Each made playing each level worthwhile. Not only did it have characters that you could select from, it had amazing new bad guys. Birdo, Shy Guy. Those are two that come to mind that still, to this day, you know, make the rounds in the Mario games in, in one way or another. It has music that just strikes a chord with you. I mean, the overworld theme is just a song I mean, I, I think that the correct term for it is an earworm. Because it gets in your head. And it stays there. It's freaking phenomenal. It's happy. It's peppy. And then when it comes time for the boss battle. You know, whether you're fighting Birdo. Or like the, the Hydra. Or Wart. You know, it's just intense. 
it, it's there to create tension for you to create this moment where you need to be spot on Atari didn't do that Nintendo did that Nintendo brought that to our generation then you have games like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that game is infamous for the damn level now I'm not saying the damn level I'm saying the damn like holding the water back level as you're trying to defuse bombs underwater as the timer counts down everything starts speeding up everything gets to be more critical like as a kid I remember just feeling that sense of urgency and almost like the oxygen was being sucked out of my lungs and I know that sounds weird what grown man says that I do because it's true I got into the games that I was playing that's the reason why I love them so much now that's the reason why I have the passion because it's always been burning inside me I've talked about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 where the very first level building on fire you've got to get April out I mean there's flames all around you and the music just sets the tone for the whole game it's exciting it's frantic buildings on fire and you've got foot soldiers coming at you then boom you've got uh, what is it Rocksteady and then Bebop's in the second level I mean it's everything that you want in a cartoon adaptation game you've got recognizable characters you've got the uh, the intro Atari couldn't ever do that and I'm not knocking or dissing Atari whatsoever I loved playing my dad's Atari when I was young it was seriously a treat to have my grandparents pull it out and plug it into their TV when they would babysit me or when we would go to visit my parents wanted to have a you know an actual adult conversation because they're surrounded by kids all day so you know they send us in the back room and we go play pong tank commander or whatever pitfall there's little beeps and boops, but no Toonskis. Nintendo had the technology, the space in their cartridges. I mean, the game seemed huge back in the day. It would take me, you know, weeks to beat a game. Typically because I didn't have very much time to play. I'd be able to sit down for 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there, and a lot of the games that I played had no save feature. They might have had a password function, but I mean, the, the Ninja Turtle games, you can't just save, pick up where you left off, no. You've got to start from scratch. I didn't get a lot of time 
to do complete playthroughs all at the same time. I I didn't know what save states were. Really, I didn't get those until uh, Super Mario Brothers 3. And I know I've already mentioned that game before. But that's the one that really, really impressed me because it had replayability. You didn't have to secretly cover the light on the Nintendo so you could keep it playing. You know, turn off the TV, change the channel, whatever. So that it would still be on so you could have it paused and come back to your game. You could actually, you know, save it and come back to it later. Insert mind blown sound effect right there. Gonna take a little break. Gonna come back with some more thankfulness for the NES. So stay tuned. The next reason why I am grateful for the NES. I don't know if you guys have stopped to think about this. But where would we be with rental games if it wasn't for the Nintendo? I know a lot of the games that I played growing up, I would get for my birthday, I would get for Christmas. Games like King's Knight, Wheel of Fortune, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Super Mario and Duck Hunt came with my control deck. Uh, Operation Wolf. Uh, Legend of Zelda 2. The Adventure of Link. Those are games that I owned. But there are so many other games that I played that I fell in love with that I never owned. There are games that I beat that I never owned. All because the gas station across the street from my house rented Nintendo games. The grocery store uh, to the east of me rented Nintendo games grocery store to the west of me rented Nintendo games. Two video stores in town had Nintendo games. A pizzeria had an arcade. And yes, you guessed it, Nintendo games to rent. G.I. Joe, The Atlantis Factor. That game was phenomenal. I am on the lookout for it nowadays because I had the chance to rent it a couple times I never got the chance to beat it you can choose between Duke, Snake Eyes and Scarlet and I think one other person I never beat it I played the crap out of it it was kind of like the original Ninja Turtles um, if I remember right it was that side-scrolling, platforming, you know, bang, bang, shoot 'em up, try to progress to the next stage, 
you know, boss level kind of battle thing. It's a great game. If you haven't played it, I would suggest finding it. I mean, if you can pick it up for cheap, if they've got it in one of your your retro stores locally, give it a shot. I, I think if I remember right, I actually played that with my buddy's turbo controller. And that leads me to another thing. The games that I didn't own that I wanted to play, sometimes I'd get lucky enough to be able to trade games with a neighbor. It's always been like some weird social outreach, social networking with video games. They've always brought people together, shared experiences, uh, shared interests. I mean, everybody my age loved the Ninja Turtles. The Ninja Turtles were freaking awesome. So everybody, they always wanted to rent the game. If you couldn't get your hands on it at the rental store, boom, you hit up one of your buddies. Well, I'll let you uh, borrow Link's Adventure, or the Adventure of Link, if uh, you'll let me borrow Ninja Turtles, or Ninja Turtles the arcade game. You didn't really see that. I mean, yeah, they have, like, book clubs. Yeah, they have libraries that you can go. But... You never saw that with kids. You never saw that that kind of networking, kind of, you know, awkward kids who didn't know how to talk to other people, but all of a sudden, they've got common ground, so they, they open up. You never saw that, really, with books. To some extent, you didn't even see it with comic books, and I loved comic books growing up. I still love comics. I have a pretty decent collection. It hasn't grown in years. Like, I don't buy new ones, but if I see an old one that catches my eye, you better believe I'll grab it. But do I sit, talk, and network with comics? Only if it's applicable <laughs> to my video games. Video games have this weird way of honestly taking away the real world kind of situations and stress for kids and opening this door where you might be the nerdiest kid in your school. And I'm speaking from experience here. Slip on shoes, you know, stonewashed jeans or hammer pants. You know, a obscenely bright neon shirt. You know, a mullet with a rat's tail. That that was me. And I didn't have a lot of friends. But when it came time to knowing information about games, if somebody was talking about it on the playground, I could step in and all of a sudden I've got the spotlight on me. I've got these kids that you know, typically make fun of me, being like, oh my gosh, maybe he is cool. I knew codes that people didn't know. 
I knew secrets that people didn't know. And I don't honestly know how I knew them. I don't know if it was from watching my neighbors, from watching GamePro with JD Roth. I don't know if it was the Nintendo Powers that my grandma would buy me occasionally. But somehow, I absorbed this knowledge. And I was able to relay it. And kids are assholes to other kids. But as soon as they need information, their tune kind of changes. And it's awesome that video games himself could be the thing to change the tune. It made me friends out of enemies. I had a buddy named Josh that I ended up bonding with over NBA Jam. He was a jock. He was really good at baseball and basketball. And I'm not lying. He he was good. Like, he could have gone to college for it. He had amazing natural ability. I didn't. I've never been a big fan of playing baseball or basketball. My reasoning behind it before any of you guys jump on me or whatever, because I know you're planning on it. I'm just kidding. Hopefully you know that. I didn't get glasses till like fifth grade, and I couldn't see Jack. So when it came time for baseball, because my parents made me play baseball, I couldn't see the ball coming at me. When I was playing t-ball, I was fine, because I could smack the crap out of the ball and then get a home run every time, because then I'd just run. I knew where the bases were. But when it came time for actual pitching, I got hit by the ball so many times that it just sucked the fun right out of it. I'd be out in the outfield and think that the ball is coming right at me, and boom. Falls either 20 feet in front of me, 20 feet behind me. That's how bad I was gauging things. Basketball, yeah, the ball was bigger. But the hoop was small, and I couldn't always see it. So I sucked at basketball on the playground. When we'd be at recess and people were playing basketball, and... Or playing horse and they're like hey you should come play and then they'd find out how bad I was at it and I know that NBA Jam is 16-bit it's the Super Nintendo but video like I said I mean I'm saying that Nintendo themselves had a way of making people social and it honestly all began with a little 8-bit control deck that's phenomenal. And I know that Sega had something out. I know that they had their uh, master system. To be honest, I had no idea about the master system until a couple years ago. Maybe even last year. It just was not marketed in my area. I remember going through the Toys R Us catalog, the Sears catalog, 
you know, encircling stuff that I wanted for Christmas. I do not remember seeing anything Sega until the Genesis came out. And then even at that, it wasn't plugged like the Nintendo was. It wasn't plugged like the Super Nintendo was. And I don't know if that's, you know, due to where I've always lived. I don't know if, you know, Sega of America was like, eh, we're just not doing good in that market, so let's focus our marketing budget elsewhere. We're going to take a quick little break, listen to some awesome 8-bit tunes, and then I'll be right back. Like I just mentioned, the town, well, and I've mentioned it several times before, the town that I grew up in, the gas station across the street from me had a little arcade. The dentist office that I went to had a little arcade. The mom and pop's pizza shop had a little arcade in it. I spent a lot of time scrounging for quarters, scrounging for spare change period to walk up to the cashier and be like, can I get a quarter and trade my money in? And one thing that I don't remember really seeing was any adults playing in the arcades. In my dentist office, I never saw an adult play. Every now and again at the gas station, you would see an adult, but it wouldn't be like an adult adult. It'd be like a young adult, like 18 to 21. Still, you know, getting the grasp of this technology and wanting to experience it. To me, that was awesome. But with the Nintendo, my mom played it. My neighbor's mom had her own game collection that was separate from her kids. She had games like Hunt for the Red October. More, <coughs> excuse me, more adult-themed games. Games based off of adult movies. With the Nintendo, I am thankful for that. I'm saying thankful way too many times. This is getting cheesy. I would go to my friend's house. His name was Edward. We had a really weird relationship. Like games and where we lived were the only things that we had in common. We were both nerds in our own right. But I was more of the... I like street hockey, I like video games, I like cartoons, and he was, I like getting good grades, I like eclectic clothes, and I like video games. Nothing wrong with that. I didn't judge him for that. We just had 
no real common ground. We couldn't have a conversation if it wasn't for video games. But him and I became pretty good friends. I would sleep over at his house. And his mom would come in. Say, okay, you can play games till 8, 830. And then I'm going to play it from 8 or 8.30 to 9 or 9.30 and then I'll bring it back in. I thought that was freaking awesome. The fact that she wanted her game time too. His dad didn't play. His dad worked for a computer company locally. Like, he was a programmer. He worked for Microsoft. I, I want to say he helped on, like, Microsoft Word or something like that. But he couldn't care less. I think it was like, oh, I do too much computer stuff at work. I don't want to bring it home with me. And he was good with watching shows like uh, Gunsmoke and Bonanza. Because originally they were from Texas, so they had that kind of cowboy attitude. It was weird. They were extremely religious. Yet, his mom loved movies and games based off rated R movies. In the Mormon culture... You're not supposed to see a rated R movie. And it's funny because growing up, all my friends would sneak into their parents' rated R stash and watch them. Total Recall, Predator, Rambo, Terminator, you name it. We were trying to watch it. We even got bored enough to watch uh, Pretty Woman with Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. R-rated movies in Mormons don't really mix. And it's funny because as kids, we would always justify it by saying, you know, the Bible, the Book of Mormon, you know, all this stuff, if it was made into a movie, it would have to be rated R. And I don't want to bring religion into this, but I'm just giving you kind of an idea of what I grew up in. And so we were okay, you know, with watching these movies that we found and then playing these games. The games didn't affect us. But we would have these sleepovers, and after she was done a couple times, she'd forget to take out The Hunt for the Red October. And we would play it. We would have these all-night gaming marathons where we'd play Ghostbusters 2, the original Ghostbusters, which I still have no idea how to play right. I've seen people, like, climb up stairs, and, you know, I, I never got to that part. My car was always running out of gas. All the ghosts were always entering the, the building, and I was getting fed up and didn't know what to do, so it was on to the next game. Anything was better to me than the original Ghostbusters. 
but we would play all night. We would go through every single cartridge. I'd bring over mine. He would have his. You know, our parents wrote our last names on our carts so they wouldn't get lost because they invested good money into them. I don't blame them. I don't write my name on my stuff now, but I don't let my kids get into them. Unless I'm checking them in, checking them out. And if a kid comes down for an Xbox game, they have to bring down the one that they were using. So it's like the library. You can't check out one without bringing the other back. And this is all stuff that I learned from being a child. So I know how irresponsible I was. I know how many times... I left a game over at my friend's house and I had to call him, uh, do you have my, my Battletoads? Uh, let me look. Yeah, it's got your name on it. Like, and you'd always, always have that one friend that you were worried if he would find a way to take your permanent marker off and claim it as his. Some kids are shady. But all these experiences we get because of the original control deck. I had a neighbor growing up. We moved into this house. And after we were done taking boxes in, after I unloaded everything in my room, took out all my clothes and stuff, I came outside to sit on my porch, and he was honestly waiting at the fence that divided our properties. He's like, hey, do you want to be my friend? I needed a friend in the area. This was before Edward. So I said, yeah. Went over to his house. I started playing games. That's what we had in common. Once again, games. Yeah, we liked BB guns. We liked being outside, jumping on trampolines and stuff. But then when the sun started to go down, it was all about the games. He introduced me to Blaster Master. That game is phenomenal. Absolutely love that game. Talked about it with Retro Gaming Rock. Just the music from the title screen. You know, watching the little story about the frog getting into the toxic waste, going down the the well, or the well, the hole. And then when you, you know, jump in after and you're in this weird world and stuff, when the music starts kicking up, it's freaking phenomenal. And I, I say that quite a bit. But my love for Blaster Master came from sitting in my neighbor's house. His dad had a drum set on one side of the room. Hardwood floor. Uh, his, his bass drum was stuffed with pillows. And then, you know, that was on one wall. And then the wall in the middle had the TV, you know, the entertainment system, the Nintendo. And then had a couch up against the back wall. And then there was no other wall. That fourth wall opened up 
into like this common area. I remember laying down on the floor, like hands outstretched in front of me, holding the controller, my feet kicking up and down behind me, playing Blaster Master. I remember beating two bosses and then being utterly and completely lost in that game. That game is huge. Or at least it feels huge. I mean, it might be a game now that you can beat in an hour, but I really haven't got back into it. I own it. I've played it a couple times. I still get lost. But I love it. It's got great music. It's got this weird side-scrolling and then you, you know, either drive through this this, you know, area and then you get to a point where there's a little door that you can get out of your uh, little tank. I can't remember right now what it's called. I wasn't actually going to bring it up. But, I mean, all these memories just come flooding back. And so you get out of your tank and you get into this little door. And then all of a sudden it's this kind of overhead third person view. It's like two games in one. Blew my mind as a kid. It still blows my mind. My mind is easily blown by awesomeness. If something's awesome, it's going to blow my mind. I mean, that game you get power-ups not just for yourself, but also for your tank. And, I mean, it drops stuff from the air. It's kind of like Contra... You don't have to be in the tank, but you can be in the tank. Makes it easier if you're in the tank. Yeah, you can tell that I didn't plan on talking about this because I'm just rambling. But that's what happens. That That's why I love doing this. Because I'm hoping that you guys are just like me. We, we start talking about one thing and it leads into another that leads into another. It just snowballs all these memories. The whole idea behind this podcast is keeping the retro experience alive. Not just from a collecting standpoint. So we all like to collect stuff. We all like to have stuff that we had growing up. Like, I really want to get me Grimlock again. I had a Grimlock Transformer. He was blue. He was amazing. It's not like that, though. Like, if I got Grimlock nowadays, he would just sit on a shelf. I wouldn't play with him like I did back in the day. No. I would look at him, and I would, you know, cherish the memories that I made with him. Video games, you get a game... You love a game. You enjoy a game. And you want to put it back in. Like, I got my Retron 2 for the sole purpose of being able to play Famicom, NES, SNES, and Super Famicom. You know, it's a 4-in-1. I've got my control deck. It's in the box. I don't need to take it out. I can appreciate it. 
because I've got my Retron 2. I want to play all my cards. That's the reason why I get them. I want to relive the moments, the experiences, you know, get flashbacks or make new experiences. Be like, I only played Bayou Billy twice growing up. Played it at my friend Dustin, Dustin's house. Dustin's the one that I'm always saying, I, I got my, my love, my fondness for Castlevania by watching him. I never got to play it at his house. Same with Ninja Gaiden. But, still love the games. That's basically going to wrap up this episode. Uh, I've got a little special shout out uh, coming up as we close out. So, let's just wrap it up there and then listen to one last little 8-bit tuneski. Then we'll come back and wrap it up. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up this episode. As I stated earlier, I have a special shout-out. And this is a shout-out to my beautiful wife, my loving Peaches, who seriously gives me the opportunity to do these episodes every week. She has been such a good sport. Uh, Inspirational. She'll play the games with me. She'll be on the podcast. Uh, I just can't thank her enough for what she actually does. So I can do this. I really enjoy the time that I get with you guys every week. And if you guys want to be a part of it, get in on the conversation. Find us on Instagram, Grab Life by the Controller. Find us on Twitter, GLTBC. Find us on Twitch, Grab Life by the Controller. We like to have fun. We like conversation about any kind of games. If you guys have Sega games, Turbo Graphics, 3DO, whatever. Let's just chat. I appreciate each and every one of you who let us into your speakers as often as you do. It means the world to us. But as I always say, peace. We out.